is 7 a.m. in New York, 1 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 6 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com. I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations, and I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. I was on a business retreat and had the pleasure of having Nicole Whitting next to me as we were on our morning run. We went through the forest. It was gorgeous. And at the very end of our run, there was a huge hill. And I'm powering up. I mean, Nicole is an ultra marathonist. She just ran 100 miles. And I'm doing my best <laughs> to run by her side. And she says to me, hey, Sunday, would you be interested in knowing how to run up hills? And I'm like, at this point, I'm at the end of my run next to an ultra marathonist up a hill. Of course, I want to know. <laughs> and she said, when you run up hills, you take tiny steps, but you keep the same pace. And when she said that, the entire scene became a metaphor of how many times I've run up hills with huge leaps and all of my force. Like, come on, let's do this. But the irony is that I was expending more energy than I needed to. And it would actually impact how far and how long I could go. Running and how you do it is often like a metaphor for how you do life. And there's no one better that knows this than Nicole, who's joined us today. I originally invited Nicole to come and talk about bucket list items. There are many of you who are listening who have a marathon on your bucket list, and she is absolutely the right person to help you understand how you can do it. But let me tell you more about Nicole. Nicole is a mom of two, an entrepreneur, and what they call a life pacer. By being by your side, as she works with women with a deep desire to find and embrace their whole self, she uses running as a method, a holistic approach to your life. And she's amazing. You're going to discover more as we go um, into our in-depth interview. So my invitation to you is to look at this episode from two perspectives. One, as expats, we want to meet our bucket list, whether it's in our country, the things we want to do while we're there, or we have big goals for ourselves, things we want to get done. And running a marathon or a half marathon or an ultra marathon might be in that bucket list. But don't miss what is there for you that goes way beyond the running. Speaking of bucket lists, if running a successful coaching business that serves expats is on your bucket list, don't miss out on the Expat Coach Coalition. I'll leave it in the show notes, but it's designed specifically professionals who are working in the expat space who want to up-level how they serve expats and how they run their business. So join me and Nicole in this intimate conversation 
about bucket lists, limits, and tapping in before tapping out. All right, so you've just heard the impressive bio of Nicole. And Nicole, I just want to say thank you so much for getting up at 4.30 in the morning to be here today on Expat Happy Hour. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to get up at 4.30 in the morning. (laughs) To get to talk to you and your audience. I don't know know if I've ever said that out loud. It's a pleasure to get up at 4.30 in the morning. But you're here. When people know more about you, they probably will realize that it's not uncommon for you to get up at 4.30 in the morning. Um, But we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, Listen, Nicole, I... You know, I originally invited you on Expat Happy Hour to talk about bucket lists. And in the intro, I've kind of given some context of why those are important. But there's something really special that you do that ties into bucket lists that my audience has. But it goes so much further than that. So, Nicole, let's start with this idea of a bucket list with running and the marathon. Mm -hmm. But we have so much more to talk about beyond that. Um, So here's the thing. I know that a lot of my um, listeners set a bucket list of running a marathon and they do it in amazing cities around the world. And I know that you help people do that. So why is this important? Why is this a thing? Why is this a thing? You know, sometimes I wonder that myself. (laughs) Um, You know, it seems that the marathon is something that so many people like dream about doing because it seems at one point in their life like this, like this huge, amazing, like how do you even run 26.2 miles? It seems like this goal that is a little bit outside of their comfort zone, a little bit outside of their reach. Um, And it's something that enough people do that other women and men believe it's something that they can achieve as well. So it becomes this, um, it becomes this goal that is a little bit like risky, a little bit scary, a little bit uncomfortable, but they know that they can do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, isn't it about something a lot more? Um, yeah, I mean, I believe like with any running distance that the marathon will change you. Any running distance that will change you, that stretches your capacity, that stretches your emotional, mental, physical capacity will change you. Um, I see so many people go into running goals that have really often had something happen to them in their life. And they're like, okay, I'm going to get through this and I'm going to, um, so many times I've heard people, well, aren't you running from something when you're doing, I'm an ultra runner. So I typically run longer than a marathon, but so many people, I've even had one woman really close to me. She's like, what are you running from? And I'm like, oh, I'm not running from Mm -hmm. anything. I'm running through the middle of my hardship, my joys, my um, grievances, all of these things that have happened to me in my life. Running becomes this therapy and this processing system for all of it. Um, So I think the marathon and people who really strive to do these running distances, it becomes, um, gosh, I wish I, it becomes this thing that changes who they are and takes them to the next place in their life. You know what I, you talked about a marathon and then you talked about ultras. I don't even know what, what, 
like, what does that mean? A hundred miles? What is an ultra runner? Um, an ultra marathon is anything over the standard 26.2 miles. So they have 50 Ks, they have um, 50 milers, 100 Ks, 100 milers. Um, okay. They have up to 200 miles, 300 miles. I just... I just saw someone on your Facebook feed complete 250 miles. That I want to come back to. Let's not talk about that yet because that's a that's a very, a very connected but very yes. different topic. I wanted to say what you meant about. I, first of all, I love that you're talking about running mm-hmm. through. This is a way for you to. I run um, to process my right. emotions, so I don't run long distances. I'll just run for like a half an hour every day. But it's to help me process whatever's going on, whether it's my stress or the emotions for my clients that I've kind of absorbed, I run to move it through my body. But what I've seen is I know I have good friends who are doing couch to 5k, Mm -hmm. right? And that is, and it's like, I am becoming the person who runs. And it's, it's irrelevant that it's 5k or 25k or 100 miles, right? It's, I am becoming this person. Right. And I will, I would, from, I mean, I'm also a running coach outside of being a life coach, but I'd like to, to go out and extend this to anybody that doesn't feel like they're actually a runner. Cause I hear this so many times like, Oh, and I'm not really a runner. If you put your shoes on and you run down the block, you're a runner, right? Like it's not, you're not becoming, mm-hmm. you are, you're a runner. And I think that's one thing that so many people can't um, identify as because they're like, Oh, well, I don't do this or I don't do that. And I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. Did you put your shoes on today? great. You're a runner. <laughs> so give yourself a little bit more credit. I think you're so unique because you are a life coach and you're a runner and you call yourself a life pacer, right? Can you tell people more what you mean by that? So a pacer is, um, so I'm going to jive back into ultra running again. A pacer is someone um, at over um, 50 miles. If if you're doing a hundred mile race or at some point later in the race. And what they do is they come alongside you. They have fresh legs. They help remind you to eat. They help basically attend to you in every way possible to make sure that you get it to the finish line. Um, a lot of times um, in, in the races that I do, you run through the night. So you run through the day and then through the night and then part of the next day and they come in. So at nighttime, I mean, you haven't slept for oh, quite some time. You've been running for, you know, 15 plus hours and they come in to help guide you. They are this person that comes alongside you to guide you, to be with you, to remind you of like the basic things that you need food, keep moving, you know, watching where you are, watching your feet. Um, so that's what a pacer is. So that's why I call myself my, your life pacer, because I, I use running as a vehicle for life coaching. And that's what I do. I come alongside people in their journeys and I say, okay, here's, here's where we're at. I'm going to meet you exactly where you're at in this very moment. And I'm going to help you get to the finish line, whatever that metaphorical finish line in your life is. Mm-hmm. I love that you, that you mentioned that because I think a lot of times whenever someone does something special or beyond the ordinary, we look at that individual and we're like, wow, they're amazing. You know, they did that mm-hmm. all on their own. <clears throat> and, and we forget that usually when you see extraordinary acts, that it's from a team right. of support. Right. It is a really big team. 
And the only, you can you can only achieve the extraordinary, I believe, when you are supported by others. Because what we know from resilience is that resilience is created in community. It's not alone, right? I remember coming away from talking about that. Let me give you a little story. I remember coming away from my very first 100-mile race. And there are aid stations. So there's they're called aid stations and they are like every five to nine miles, there are food and electrolytes and water and all of the things, a group of people at these aid stations that are, you know, they're supporting you. And I remember walking away from the first one and thinking, oh my gosh, I just witnessed something that we don't ever witness in real life. And these people at these aid stations had given up, you know, two days of their life to sit out there in the cold, in the middle, in the middle of the night, in the heat, in the middle of the day. And their only goal was to make sure that a person that came into the aid station got what they needed and left and that they didn't stop, that they didn't quit on themselves, that they didn't, they didn't give in to whatever their mental state was. And I thought, you know, if the world was a little bit more like that, we had strangers supporting people and wanting them to complete and finish their goals just as much as the person in the middle of it did. I thought, what a different world we would live in. And it was really, really powerful, um, especially when you're doing something as big as like running <clears throat> a hundred mile race to have people and strangers come alongside you that really want the best for you was pretty amazing. Yeah. And that, that leads me to this topic of limits. Like I think that those people that are there probably helped you go beyond your limits um, when you were, when you were feeling them. But before we do that, I mean, you have run a hundred miles. It's not the first time you've done it. You just did it. I know you've done it before. I need to just stop for a second and find out how did you get here? Like, how did you become the person who runs ultra marathons? (laughs) Um, you know, I started running when I was in high school, my, I had an older brother and he was a wrestler and my dad was, had been a wrestler his whole life. My dad was the wrestling coach. So they had this thing to bond over. And I really started running because my whole life I watched my dad run marathons. And so I was like, I bet you I could do that. And I could bond with my dad over that way. Not that me and my dad didn't bond, but it was like this extra layer of being able to bond with my father. And so that was really why I started running, um, in the very beginning. And my dad and I ran our first marathon together, um, in 2003. And I really just decided that that's part of what I wanted to be in my life was I wanted to be a runner. And, um, so fast forward college, I got married, I had kids and I really kind of stopped running as much. And, um, so after I had my first son, I was like, okay, I'm getting back in the game. And I started running half marathons and then it built up. And actually, if I'm really honest, the reason I really got into ultra running is, um, we adopted our daughter through the foster system. And, um, I don't, I don't know if anybody has been involved with the foster system that's listening, but it can be a pretty hairy road. And we had brought our daughter in and she had um, some pretty difficult um, emotions and behaviors and navigating all of that. Um, I really found myself in a place where I was um, 
in a beautiful rock bottom, if I should say. <laughs> um, mm. And with some of her behaviors and some of her issues, I ended up finding a developmental preschool that was two hours away from where I lived. And so three days a week, I would drive her for two hours up to this school where she could go for an eight hour day, and then we would drive home. And um, during this time, I lived in a com that was in a community that had an Ironman. And I thought I have all this time while I'm up here that had always been kind of a pipe dream of mine. And I actually had a friend who had done one. <clears throat> He'd actually done two. And I was like, man, if he can do it, I can do it. And so I decided, <clears throat> I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to train for this Ironman. And, um, what I found was that training for that Ironman and going for that, like if we're talking about bucket list items, right. And going for that bucket mm -hmm. list, I processed so much of my life that I had stuffed away doing that. Mm -hmm. And um, I was by myself for hours a week between the swimming and the biking and the running. And I learned so much about myself and I healed so much of myself doing that. And my running coach during that process was an ultra marathoner. And I didn't really know about this whole world of ultra marathoning. And she really gave me an education in it and, and really kind of opened up this whole new world of like what's possible, right? Sometimes we don't know what's possible and then we see somebody do it and we're like, whoa, like people do that. Like people I know do that. <laughs> and so I really decided after I did Ironman, I was like, I'm going to do one of those ultra marathon things they're talking about. And I did it. And so about six or seven months after I completed Ironman. I went into, I got into the ultra field and I really never turned back. I was like, oh, it was like a homecoming. I'm like, this is who I am. This is part of me. And um, yeah, I haven't looked back since. So I'm going to pull out a couple things here. There, there's one, um, what I love about this, and this is why I wanted you to kick off the bucket list topic, is that you were actually phasing probably one of the hardest things you've ever gone through in your life. And yeah. in that moment, instead of retreating, instead of playing the victim, you actually picked something extraordinary to help you process that. Right. I, I, that just, I think that it's so amazing. And I just, you know, I mention that now because when people are struggling, often they feel like retreating or they think, I don't have the time or energy to do this because things are so hard. And you were able to channel that um, into something positive. I was just on the phone with one of my good girlfriends from Switzerland today, and she does she studies something called human design. And our the our design is both characterized by struggle mm. and we were talking on the phone today about we're both people that are designed for struggle. And I said, when I hear the word struggle, I hear, I can't hear anything else but development. Yeah. Right. That struggle is, it's the development. It's the growing. I don't hear struggle as a bad thing. I hear it as like becoming what's more of what's inside me. Right. Right. And that's what I, I love what you talked about that. So anybody who's listening, who's going through, excuse my French, but a shit show in your life, something like a marathon, something, or your couch to 5k, whatever that is, allow yourself to dream into this possibility that you can use your struggle to pr 
to process what's going on and achieve something really amazing. The other thing I hear that I love about how you think is you're like, well, if they do it, I can do it too. And you're not separating the extraordinary from yourself. You're saying, well, they're humans just like I am. They did the work. If I put in the work, I can do it too. And I think that's really impressive. Yeah. You guys, I'm just a small town girl from Idaho. (laughs) Most of you probably don't know where Idaho (laughs) is. There is, um, you know, there's nothing. I think sometimes we forget that we all can be extraordinary. We all have it in us. And it's not just, it's not just kept out there for these select few people, right? The reason that people are doing extraordinary things is because they decided they were going to do them. Right. And that's what I, I find so much inspiration in what you do. Um, so I was, it was the, right after the 100 miles that you ran and you, you posted uh-huh. this picture of the, like the donut, the size of your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then later you posted kind of a reflection on that and some of the hard stuff that happened. And you, what you don't know, I haven't shared this with you, Nicole, is when that was going on, I was in the middle of my own, what, um, what I call capacity challenge, you know, with, uh, mm-hmm. we share, we share a coach. Um, and this is, it was at the height of my capacity challenge. And I was thinking, Things like, oh, I shouldn't, you know, I, maybe I shouldn't have started this, or I don't know if it's going to work out, or um, can I really do it? That I was kind of having one of those days, and I'm I'm on Facebook right. watching your thing, and I'm like, oh my god, of course I can do it! I'm like, look at Nicole, she just ran a hundred miles, and it really did inspire me. Um, it did give me Aww. strength. Yeah, I want you to know that, and I want everybody listening to think about that. That you know, you are, you're the, you are the sweetest, most approachable person, right? And, and you've done extraordinary things. I love that you say you're just a small town girl from Idaho, because it's like, hey, maybe, maybe if you can do it, someone else can, because you have a complex life, right? You've got kids, you're running your business, and you, you have managed it, right? I love that. And what do they say? You have to see it, to believe it. There's something about if you can't see it, you can't do it. Right. Yeah. I think that <clears throat> when you're talking about like you were going through a struggle <clears throat> and seeing other people overcome struggles as well. Um, I think that's really powerful to remind us that to like really to remind us who you are. Um, when you do an ultra marathon and you're in the middle of it, um, the last two that I've done have taken me about 28 hours and you're running through the day, through the night and through the day again. And there's so many, it's like a lifetime in 30 hours, right? You go through this moment, like you find your lowest of lows and you also have some of the highest of highs and they're all happening like within, like sometimes they can happen seconds apart from each other. Mm. Um, One of the, the most powerful things somebody had said to me which I actually think was in this race report that you were talking about was I had a really rough race. And at mile 30, I really thought, okay, this is it. This is, this isn't this today's not my day. It's not going to work. And, um, I just kept going. I kept taking another step, right? Like being super present in that moment. Sometimes we forget that we can be super present in the moment because we're always looking ahead, 
right? Mm -hmm. Like life, the life that we live in, the society, the world that we live in is always having us looking so far ahead that so far ahead sometimes seems overwhelming. And I think that's where we get caught up in this. Like, should I have been doing this? Was this too much? Did I take on more than I could chew? Mm -hmm. And we have to stop and bring us back to that moment and go, okay, what's the next little step? You know, I race aid station to aid station. If I'm at mile five and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have 95 miles to go before I'm done. That's overwhelming. And so many times we mm -hmm. do this in life is which, which overwhelms us. Um, so let me pull that back in for a second. But at mile 30, I remember thinking, oh boy, 70 more miles. This, this 30 miles has not gone well. Um, I'm, I might just, I might have to be calling, calling it a day here pretty soon. And I kept going and I kept going and I just, you know, stayed present and, and took another step. And I remember texting my brother, who is also an endurance athlete as well. And I, I texted him. I said, you know, Tony, I thought at mile 30, I was done. And he responded to me and he goes, well, good. I told him, I go, I was 90% sure I was done. And he goes, well, it's a good thing you weren't a hundred. And I thought, Honestly, I was like, I just started sobbing. And I was like, isn't that the truth in mm -hmm. anything in life? Like, well, good thing you weren't 100% done, right? And it was that 10%, that 10% chance that you could finish it, that you could make it, that you could, you could see it through the grievances of what's coming, right? Yep. And so that was like this whole shift for me. I was like, how do, how do you teach people to tap into that 10% instead of tap out? At right. 90. Totally. And you know what? Yeah. Nobody would shame you for that. You would spend 30 miles, right? Like, right. It, it, of course, you know, you were tired. Oh my gosh, you spend 30 miles, something to celebrate, right? But what I'm hearing is this is about limits. Right. You're, you learning and growing and saying, this is, I think there's a difference between, um, pushing your limits and testing your limits. And this might sound very nuanced, but there's people who push their limits in a really unhealthy right. way. And then there's a, I think that's different from testing your limits saying, where are my right. limits? I can't know what I'm capable of until I try. Right. I always call that like risking disappointment. How much disappointment am I willing to risk? You know, because I think that's that that's what holds people back. Like they don't want to be disappointed. They don't want to be like, well, I didn't finish or I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't win. I didn't have like this, the idea of what I thought it was going to be didn't pan out that way. Um, and I really talk about it in that way. It's like, how much disappointment are you willing to risk? Because every day I'm like, I'm like, I want to risk more. I want to see what my limits are. Um, and I know Sundays heard me talk about this, but I'm always looking for my tap out point and I haven't hit it yet. And that's mm -hmm. really, really intriguing to me. And I know it sounds a little bit <laughs> off the wall, probably a little bit crazy, but like, what's the point up on myself? Like, what's the point when I say I'm done? Mm -hmm. um, and I haven't hit that yet in this ultra world. And that's a, that's a really intriguing point to me because I don't, I don't know where that's at. Right. And so let's, let's draw that into our own lives. You know, when we mm -hmm. tap out, like I work with a lot of people who are, they're looking for more purpose and meaning, or they're starting a new business, or they want to have a courageous conversation with their partner about changes that they're looking for in their mm -hmm. family. You know, that, that idea of 
risking disappointment. Um, what if you tap out before you right. even try? Like that is crushing right. disappointment. Yep. And I feel like it's so interesting. It's like we keep ourselves safe. Like that disappointment of mm-hmm. trying and not making it when we actually are risking more disappointment by not getting what our heart desires. Yeah, we guarantee it. Right when we don't show up, we just guarantee it. Mm-hmm. We're just controlling the situation, which I think is so much of what we try to do is like to control our environments, control everything that's happening, right? Yeah. And when we don't show up, we 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 guarantee our outcome. Yeah. Oh, I'm a queen at that. Like the controlling my environment. I when I am out of control, I feel so vulnerable. Yeah. And I, and it's like to practice that vulnerability and, and knowing I don't like, where do I always say, where do I have control and where do I have to let go of control? Mm -hmm. Right. And then I also say who has control over what I'm worrying about and let's go talk to them. (laughs) So (laughs) let's see how I can do that. But it is, it is when you don't have control, that's, um, that's really really feels vulnerable but you like you said you have to um you have to sit in that and take one more step this feels really connected to an article that you wrote about um your life being a series of transactions you said in one of your blog articles you said you stopped you said i've stopped making life a series Mm -hmm. of transactions and started believing that life is a series of experiences that are there to refine us and remind us of who we are and who we are meant to be holy enough. Did I write that? And cherished. Yes, you did. You are so good. Doesn't sound good. It's beautiful. So I paused when I was reading that. And um, those who haven't read that article, can you tell us quickly what you mean by your life was a series of transactions and then you made a shift. Oh, well, I can dive deep into the origins of this, um, which is a little, so prepare. Um, when I was younger, I was 13 years old. I think that, I think that if you look back at your life, we all have, um, a handful of like really defining moments, right? We have those moments where you're like, I walked into this moment. My life was something and I walked out of this moment, my life was something else. And I guess life is really what we do with that and how we adapt to that. Um, so when I was 13 years old, um, I was in junior high school and I had a boy that I didn't really know. Um, he was, I would say, an acquaintance um, come up to me at the end of the day and he asked me to be his girlfriend. And, um, I really kindly said, I'm sorry, I don't really know you. Um, so I can't be your girlfriend, but you know, maybe you can call me sometime and we can get to know each other. And, um, he left the school and he walked home and he killed himself. And so at 13 years old, I was dealing with a really, really heavy life experience that I didn't really have the tools to navigate. And I'm just shaking my head over here. I don't even know how you process that at 13. Um, to be honest, I don't either. Um, I just know how it played out, right? Like I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. There's a lot of things I don't remember, but um, what I, I do remember is from that point on, like I almost went into protection mode. I really kind of mm-hmm. decided that 
I was strong enough to deal with whatever came my way. And I was strong enough to deal with other for other people's stuff too. Like I could carry myself and their stuff. And so I really mm-hmm. try to manipulate everything because in my, my mind, like disappointing somebody, like I knew what the worst case scenario was. And even as unrational as that seemed like that was, mm-hmm. that really played out in my life. And so, um, right. I really became the ultimate people pleaser, <laughs> like the mm-hmm. ultimate to the 10,000th degree, because I would sacrifice myself, my feelings, my actions, as long as I could make sure that somebody like whoever was in transaction with me was okay. And that really led me to be in this place of like, for years, I mean, it was, it was honestly into my 30s before I decided that I wasn't going to be transactional any longer because it was, it was suffocating me because everything was about everybody else. And I just was trying to make everybody okay. I mean, when, when you share that, I mean, this is, I can totally see from the story where that came from. Right. And I'm grateful that in your thirties, you were able to, to wake up from that and, and make a change. But I have Mm -hmm. so many clients who have not had, such an extreme case and ended up in the exact same place where they're meeting everybody else's needs and ignoring theirs. And only when enough resentment and bitterness (laughs) or (laughs) unhappiness surfaces, are they willing to lift their heads up and say, no, enough. Right. So how did you make that transition to go from transaction to start allowing more space for what you want and for becoming creating space for who you are and what you really wanted. How did you make that transition? You know, I, I think, mm, so I think part of it was that, um, I mean, part of it was back, um, everything I was doing. And the reason I think I was at such a low point was I was trying to fix everything. I was trying to make everything okay. And it really wasn't life was not okay. Um, Mm -hmm. our family was in crisis Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, um, when I decided if we want to pull this back to running, this is actually really interesting is when I decided to, to do Ironman, um, it was a big commitment, commitment that affected my family. Like there were some weekends that I was gone, you know, on eight mile or eight hour bike rides and all of this stuff. And it took a lot of my time and my family was used to having all of my time for them. I mean, and and not in a negative way. That's just the way that it was, right? Like from day one, it was, I always did what everybody needed me to do. And, um, Iron Man was very, and all, all of my races from this, from that point on, it was the only thing in my life that I had really done that was an inconvenience to other people. Like nobody cared if I crossed Mm -hmm. the finish line. Nobody, I mean, it was my thing. It it had no effect on anybody else. And it was inconvenient for my family for me to be gone training. It was inconvenient for me to go out for a run, to go out for a bike ride, to figure out how to to get to the pool. And 
that was a really powerful experience for me in a place where I was inconveniencing other people for myself. And I don't, I don't know if there was a time in my life that I'd really done that since Mm -hmm. I was 13 years old. Like I stood up for something that I wanted and I had to risk the disappointment in other people. (laughs) It was like, that was really scary. Right. So, so what did your family get from that? Um, so interestingly enough, like in all honesty, like it was a hard time for my husband and I, on top of all of the things that we had going on with my daughter. And then I was all of a sudden gone all the time and, and, and doing my training. It was, it was hard. I mean, there was arguments, there was, you know, difficult times. Um, and at the end of the day, I remember driving home, um, and my husband sitting in the car, we had to drive home to get to get there. And he's like, that was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever witnessed. And maybe a week or so later, um, he told me, he goes, as hard as this makes me tear up a little bit, but as hard as I mean, all of this I'm was, almost gonna cry here. <laughs> yeah, as hard as all of this was, like is in the adjustment phase, you know, like when things start to change and there's like this adjustment, like, okay, how do we do this new reality? How do we accept this new reality? Um, mm-hmm. He said, through all of it, I got my wife back. Yeah. And I, yeah. he's right. I like finally, and I always talk about it like a homecoming, right? Like I had this homecoming to myself. Mm-hmm. And it was through like showing up and doing the work. And it was through like risking disappointment with my, you know, people around me. Like, no, I'm going to do this for me. And I know that's an inconvenience for you, but I need this for my life. Right. And um, finding that inner strength to do that. I know that that may sound crazy, but like for me, it was a really big deal. Like to be like, oh, I'm doing this and I'm sorry that sucks for you. I'd never done that in my life. And it was really, really powerful. Yeah. Because it's what it's saying is what I want right. is important. Right. And I think that's also something that people don't do. Right. And this, we can say it's important if nobody's inconvenienced. But if all of a sudden someone's inconvenienced, then it feels like the stakes are higher. And then maybe they won't like us. Or maybe, right, we right. You know, they, a conflict avoidance and all of that. I just want to pause yeah. there for a second. It's like... I see this so much in my clients. It might not be an ultra marathon. It might be, you know, starting their own business or transferring household tasks or raising their kids differently or, or incorporating more exercise into their lives or whatever it is. But I love that you talked about this adjustment phase. There is a hard phase in between where everybody around you is getting used to the you that you are becoming or the new you, right? And that might be bumpy. And if it's bumpy, it doesn't mean it's wrong. And what I love about with your husband seeing that is he saw a part of you that had been hiding and he he stuck around. Right. Because yeah, it's really more of you. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really powerful when you decide that you're going to do something that means something to you. Yeah. That really means something to you. Whoo, this is big. Nicole, <laughs> you know, this is the thing, because I've had the pleasure to meet you in person. And um, it is amazing how much strength is packed into your little package. Like you are, there's so much in you. There's so much strength. And and um, I know that when you're by someone's side, you help them find that too. 
So I want to just be mindful of the time that we have left. Um, One, I know that what you do with others is you lace up, you rise up, and you help people chase after the life that they're dreaming of unapologetically and Mm. methodically. Um, What advice do you have for people who are thinking of this specific aspect of a, of a bucket list where they're like, I'm going to do something amazing like a marathon or a half marathon or an ultra because they, that's their bucket. That's what they want to find out what they have in them. Right. I think it's really just deciding and like figuring out how to show up for yourself. I always say show up, lace up, rise up, repeat, right? This is what we do. You have to Decide that you're worth it. Decide that you deserve to have this experience. Decide that you deserve to have this transformation and that it's meaningful and that your life is going to change and be altered forever because of it. Um, And I think there's also that you have to commit to the grievances that are going to come along the way. I think that's really important because Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard. Like going after a bucket list or, or running your first marathon, it's not easy. It's hard, but there's like always, I always say with every training cycle, with every bucket list item that I do, like there's a really big lesson in it. And that's the anticipation of what the lesson's going to be this time is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, It is like, Mm -hmm. get excited about what you have to learn about yourself and then decide that you're worth it and go for it. And really just making the commitment, find someone like me to come alongside you that's not going to let you quit. Like find that crew member, find that pacer, find that stranger at the aid station in the middle of the night that they're going to come up alongside you and say, get up. We're going to keep going. Mm -hmm. There's more here for you. This is hard. It sucks. I get it but keep going. And sometimes. No, you won't know until you do it. Right. right. That, that limit that you've put in your mind mm-hmm. is not really a limit. Right. Oh man. So listen, <laughs> so I want more of this, Nicole. And I know that there are listeners here that do too. Um, one, I want to know where people can find you and please tell people about what you've coming up. I know you have this epic retreat coming up. Um, for people who want to discover more inside themselves, yeah, uh, tell us who is the retreat for and how can they find you? So you guys can find me on my website and um, that is at www.nicolekwhiting.com. And I'm sure Sunday will put it in the show notes. Um, and you can also yeah. find me on Facebook or Instagram under the same tag. Um, I, I do have a retreat coming up and it's called Base Camp. It's going to be a six to eight month program for women um, where we come together and we work through the life transition one-on-one. And we also have a supportive group of women that are doing it as well. And we're going to go and do a hiking retreat um, either at Glacier National Park, um, the Enchantments, Um, in Washington or in Moab, Utah. And so there's three options that you can choose for a retreat. And it's really about coming together, deciding who you want to be, and then having this group of women and me to come alongside you. And we're all going to do it together. Um, The hikes are going to be hard. They're going to be life-changing. And so you get that physical 
aspect of what you're doing, um, as long as well as the group, the transitions, the one-on-one, it's really a homecoming to yourself. Like I always talk about, and I talked about in here, like having a homecoming, this is an invitation for women who are like, ah, oh, I want to feel that too, to have this homecoming for themselves in nature. And I can't think of anybody better to um, do that than someone like you, Nicole. Yeah, for real. And um, seriously, so I there just because I know some people are thinking it. Do you need to be in really great shape to do this retreat? No, um, I mean, and, that, and just like with everything in life, um, the best place to start is to meet you where you're at. And you can start anywhere. You can be anywhere. You can be anything. And I come in and I meet you where you're at and I get you. You become the person that you need to be to do the thing that you want to do. And that's part of the process is becoming that person. That's going to be awesome. I, I mean, just this combination that you have with the, the running background, the life coaching, the, the nature experience, the community of people, it's going to be epic. You guys should check her out on Facebook and Instagram. Her pictures are amazing. Thank so you, wonderful. Sunday. Nicole, thank you so much for being here today. I know that those who are listening, whether or not running is even on the radar, this is about this is about life, right? Like this is yeah. about saying yes to the tough stuff that are yeah. coming. And I, I love that you mentioned that about committing to the grievances and then mm-hmm. looking forward to the lessons. So thank right. you so much for being on the Expat you. Happy Hour. It's been an absolute oh, Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Nicole is amazing. Um, I really encourage you to take what she shared today and think about how that applies to your own life, whether running is a bucket list for you or there's something else that you really want. Go back and read the transcript and, and take in what she said, because it has so much to do with transformation, whether it is in a relationship for your health or your business or just how you're showing up in the world or for your community. There's a lot of hard-earned lessons there that she's sharing. So it's been wonderful. Thank you for listening to Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Bean. I'll leave you with a quote from one of my favorite childhood athletes, Michael Jordan. Limits, like fears, are often just an illusion. Um. Ha, <laughs> ha,